Yo, what is up, Fantasy Chumps? This is one of your hosts, Layton, joined by, I never know whether to say co-host or host, by the way, just throwing it out there, but joining me as always is John and Nate. John, how are you enjoying the darkness of your room? It is like pitch black behind you. <laughs> it is dark in here. Uh, yeah, no, back in the hotel room, back in Nashville. Uh, stint number two of my little uh, work work trip down here. So um, fire alarm went off today. So that was, that was fun. I was home from work for about half an hour and the fire alarm went off. So went and got some Ooh. ice cream, came back, and now I'm enjoying the darkness. So... John, it's really nice of you that you shared your uh, hotel room with all the Las Vegas Chargers or Los Angeles Chargers fans. That's really nice of you. Um, going on, Nate, how are you doing, buddy? How's your legs? My legs are a little sore right now. It kind of hurts to squat. Haven't done many of those in a while, but uh, I'm doing well. Kicking back, watching some baseball, which I rarely do. <laughs> Man, you're that bored, huh? I am, dude. Give me football. Dude, it, football season so bad. Dude, I will watch all the preseason games this weekend. <laughs> dude, please come. Please find me a TV, a TV stand. I will pay anybody. <laughs> if you're that bored, find one for me. Wait, what's this about the Chargers fans, though, in Nashville? Oh, yeah, yeah, with uh, John and his hip. <laughs> I just, you know, nobody, nobody got it, so I just kept no, going. I got it. No, Thank I you, did. John. It was okay. just bad. It what is it? I appreciate, uh, he's saying that there are that, that nobody's a fan of Chargers. There are no Chargers fans. Waiting, <laughs> you dog. Nate's like that's terrible. Well, we're here to talk about <laughs> fantasy football. Much better content, which, which is why I do not have a comedy podcast. So we have a lot of news to go through, and then we're basically this is all John's podcast. So uh, we're basically doing draft concerns and basically where we're drafting players and kind of breaking down some of the more polarizing, um, I guess, players in the fantasy world right now when it comes to drafting because it is August now. It's crept upon us and we have to really get ready. So we're also going to touch on QBs at the very end because that's a tedious process of drafting QB. So First, we're going to start out, as always, question of the podcast. Who were some of your favorite fantasy football players of the past? I'm going to go first because I don't want anybody to take mine. Uh, Nate, dang it. <laughs> Nate, Nate, you, here, you can go first. I'll go second. All right. Yeah, mine's uh, mine's going to be Jamal Charles. <laughs> okay. Did you think of that? Is that who you had, Layton? No. He's my backup in case someone took my number one. All right. Was your number one Calvin Johnson? Nate, just talk about yours right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamal Charles. I mean, he's – I don't even know if I ever actually owned him in any fantasy league when we started playing. When did we start playing, Layton? Do you remember? I swear we had – our first league was probably eighth grade. Yeah, so that was probably – that would have been 2011, 2012. Yeah, but the main league we started, I think, was junior year of high school, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you, you've won twice, Ben's won once, and Jake's won. So five years yeah. ago. No, yeah, it, I think you're senior high school then, right? Any, anyway, besides the point. Right. 
But Jamal Charles was an absolute stud in fantasy football. We've talked about this before, but his 2013 season where he had 308 fantasy points. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Was averaging – this was on the low end for him while he was in Kansas City, averaging only five yards a carry. But he had 19 touchdowns. He, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And 70, 70 receptions. He needs to be yes. in the Hall of Fame. He is a Hall of Famer in my book. Yeah, I know we're all by legend. When you average that many yards per carry, you have to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Along with whatever else, with all the other stuff he did. So, Nate, thank you for ruining mine. <laughs> I'm going to take. So, I'm going to give two answers. Uh, so, my first one is Calvin Johnson. I never had him in fantasy football because I never had the position to take him in fantasy football. But he gave me an ex- it gave me an excuse to watch the Detroit Lions, and he was so good. I would just turn it on to watch every chance I got. It's kind of like with Messi going to PSG with Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. I'm just going to try to watch every PSG game I can, even though they're going to just blow every team out of the water. You just have to watch greatness while it's here and appreciate it. So that's what I – Try to do. My second answer is uh, AJ Green, um, just mainly for the one reason of when I was at a Sporting KC game, and Nate texted me a uh, pretty uh, straight to the point text, basically that you were mad at me, and I and I remember I was like, dude, like what did I do? And he's like, just check fantasy. I'll never forget Julio Jones and AJ Green combined put up eighty. 82 points that week against Nate. So I will never forget that moment. So I always hold a special place in my heart for AJ Green and Julio Jones. <laughs> Man. John. When was that? When was AJ Green elite again? That had to oh. be at least three, three or four years ago. Oh, yeah. Definitely a while ago. I remember, though, because I was just sitting there and I remember it was just a. You know, I'll, it was just basically text that said, you know what, you're the worst or whatever. And I was like, well, what, like, what did, did I do something to Nate? Did I like, I couldn't remember. So, <laughs> then you those, start fantasy. Those, those weeks of fantasy football will forever be ingrained in my brain. I know. I got who you. you got? I got you back last Christmas, though. John, who do you have? Sure. Uh, so I guess I didn't realize that you guys had been playing fantasy football for so long because like, I was never really super, uh, I was never super involved with it whenever Jamal Charles was prominent, which is sad to think about. Like, I wish I was, that would have been a lot of fun. We weren't so, super into it. We just had a lead. Like, I, I, okay, gotcha. I don't think we knew what we were doing at all. I started I getting think, into it like halfway to the end of high school. I don't think I had a league until my senior year of high school. But anyway, uh, nonetheless, my favorite player of all time is probably Julio Jones, which is sad. And it more so comes from just the fact that somehow every season, and this is actually true, every season that I've played fantasy football, I have either drafted or had Julio Jones on my team at some point uh, during that span of time. In, and In which league? You're... In my Greenwood League. Okay, your high school. Yes. Yeah, in my high school league. Not, so, not the not the league of uh, no. Of, what are we gonna call that? The main league. The yeah, sure, we'll call it the main league. Um, our league, the one that we're all involved in. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, Julio, uh, definitely has been my favorite, and I've always liked him because I don't know if you've 
watched interviews or are familiar with like his personality, but like he's a pretty down to earth guy. And like, he actually enjoys like hunting and fishing. And he grew up either in Mississippi or Alabama, kind of like back in the woods from what I understand. And so he's very similar to like a lot of the people that we've grown up around. And so that just kind of always made him a likable person in my opinion. And he's been like dominant ever since his second year in the league. So. I mean, that definitely helps. That's for sure. Yes, it does. So moving on to the news, we have a ton of it. And we are going to talk about some of these players, so I'll kind of skip through that a little quicker. But the first thing was Saquon was taken off the PUP list and set to begin practice individually alongside the team. It is still unclear whether he'll be ready for week one, but not ruling out a preseason return. So same thing basically we knew, except it's officially he's not on the pop, which is the physically unable to perform. He's only practicing individually, not with team drills or running plays or anything like that. So it's still, you know, just a baby step in the right direction. We'll talk more about Saquon in a little bit. Um, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, next player to come off the PUP list is Amari Cooper, taken off the PUP list, which is great to hear. Does that impact how you feel about drafting him, Nate? Uh... Not really, honestly. What was it? Was it an ankle thing? Yeah, it wasn't anything right? major. Yeah, I don't know. Ever since I started doing some mock drafts for this league, and since John finally got in my ear about another wide receiver in Dallas, Omari Cooper's kind of fallen for me. I think we're he's projected right now. I'm assuming that's factoring in this latest news that he's off the the PUP. But I think he's still a little bit too high for me. But, I mean, I guess it's it's a step in the right direction. Wide receiver, 15-35 overall, according to ESPN. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, we have more injury news. This is what the best part about training camp is. Yay. And preseason. DeAndre Swift, out of practice. He hurt his groin. <sighs> Calling it a day-to-day, they don't really know because you don't really know with groins. Exciting stuff. Right now, DeAndre Swift is going as the where was he? The 15th ranked running back. Well, that's interesting. And 22 overall. Uh, John, does this kind of change how you value him going into your draft? I know you've been doing a lot of rankings recently. So. I wouldn't say this necessarily changes where I value him because I still see the upside of DeAndre Swift, and that's what everybody's drafting. They're not necessarily drafting the idea that DeAndre Swift has proven that he's an elite running back. They're drafting DeAndre Swift with the idea that he might have a higher ceiling compared to anybody that's going around him at that position just due to the fact that that offense looks like it's pretty slim pickings right now. So if I were the Lions – the way to maintain my interest in DeAndre Swift at 22 overall would be for him to not touch the football again until the regular season starts. If he comes out flat-footed, that's fine. I'm not really concerned about that. Groin injuries can be lingering. Julio Jones, I think, is a perfect example of that. I can't tell you how many times he's been listed with a red Q on his name all throughout the season with a groin injury or with a hamstring issue. Or, in some place. Yeah. So last year. Julio is an exception to that 
because I don't think it impacts his performance that much. With, but with DeAndre Swift, you just never really know. And so I would feel much more comfortable if he got rest compared to preparation in the preseason. And that would then not impact where I have him ranked currently. If he does play, I mean, I guess if he stays healthy, great. But I'm just more worried about wear and tear. So it might move him down a little bit. But this news is pretty minor at the moment. So it's probably not going to have much of an impact on, on him for me right now, at least. Yeah, just the minor notes to take into account. Um, okay, one last injury news. Curtis Samuel is still out. I know he's on the COVID list, but he just hasn't really practiced yet. So I'm a little bit worried about that, if I'm being honest. That's kind of it, but it's early, so if he gets back to it, don't feel care. Um, okay, now for more interesting news. Sam Ellinger. Yes, you took you read that right. Or you heard that right. Whoops. <laughs> took first reps today in practice with the cold starters. Split plays, split, split reps, sorry, with Jacob Eason. So this is where it's fallen to with the Colts. Is this is this interesting news? I, I don't I don't find this very interesting. Well, I, I think it's somewhat interesting because it shows they don't believe in uh, Mr. Eason at all. So it's I don't know. It's it just shows me that I hope we have some deep dynasty listeners. Yeah. Because no. this, this is the only people that this applies to. <laughs> it just is more in terms of Jonathan Taylor which we are going to talk about later. So moving on. John, you put this in here. Marcus Mariota potentially scouting other QB jobs in the NFL. Any you can see him being a good fit. Um, Wait, did, did you put this in I here? Think, I think I put that in there. Oh, yeah. put that in. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I was just <laughs> going through my Twitter and it was like, oh, Marcus Mariota, that's a name I hadn't thought about in a while. Behind me? <laughs> might, okay, be, might be a Chargers fan too. Go ahead. <laughs> Must be the oh, I, I honestly don't know. This is I was trying to ask this for you guys. I mean, I hadn't really thought about Marcus Mariota in a very long time. I remember the last time I thought about him was when I was watching a Titans and Jags game two years ago. It was a <laughs> Thursday night football game. It was probably the worst game I've ever watched. I, what's funny is I actually remember that game. It was why like it was, a, it was a rainy game. Why do you guys why? remember this? Because of how bad it was. It was That's so bad. Yeah. I, I turned mean, it there off. Was probably like, there was probably five fumbles in the game. I definitely and turned it off. Yeah. Um, it was a good game to do that on. But So what's funny is I actually thought about, and this was before we had this typed out, I thought about Marcus Mariota earlier today because I was driving. So since I'm in Nashville, I was driving past the Titans stadium. And they had like uh, – oh. Uh, they had a poster of Vince Young on the side of the stadium still, which was super strange to me because, like, Vince Young wasn't that great in the NFL um, for his whole career. What? Never mind. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I I knew you weren't going to like that statement very much. But um, anyway, so I drove past the stadium and I was like, oh, yeah, Marcus Mariota. I definitely could see the city not getting behind him as a franchise quarterback because <laughs> it just didn't work out very well. Um, so I guess really, I don't know. I could see him ending up in 
like competing for a starting job like in Philadelphia if like the Jalen Hurts experience doesn't work out very well um but that would be like a midway through the season trade or is he a free agent he is currently on Las Vegas okay that's what I thought yeah not a bad spot for him honestly right or like the Texans could trade like a Mm -hmm. sixth rounder for him and he could Honestly, that's probably the best place for him would be the Texans, or I guess now the Colts, but it doesn't seem like the Colts are going to bring anybody else in. If anybody, the Colts would bring in Nick Foles, I think. Um, anyway, that's besides the point. So, yeah, I'd say either the Texans probably number one or the Eagles number two. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was a free agent, so I don't really have an answer. So I was going to say the Seahawks, that would be a good backup. But, yeah. Yeah. I was curious that, yeah, I mean, Lions were kind of an obvious one that I thought. They're bad. Um, one I was considering was Miami, maybe, in case Tua just does not amount to what he was expected to be. Mariota is somebody that they can get for pretty cheap, and he's he was he was a backup, I think, last year in Las Vegas. Like he came in and started a couple games. And, like, did okay. And so, I mean, I think that's somebody you could throw in there in Miami and he could not lose the game for you, at least. I agree with that statement. This That point was just to humor me a little bit. We, we may have just devoted more Marcus Mariota talk to this time <laughs> in the podcast than any other fantasy football <laughs> podcast will for the rest of the year. Yeah. And You're welcome, everybody. Year. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, the Michael Thomas quote, they try to damage your reputation. You save theirs by not telling your side of the story. What the heck is he talking about? I think he's talking about the fact that the Saints kind of threw him under the bus and he's just not saying his side because he knows he's wrong and he should have had surgery earlier. Yeah. Waited, waited to crit that. That didn't take long. Yeah. Good. Well, Dude, we the Hardy Boys when you got Leighton. It was well, a little childish on both sides. Like, yes. I, like I think the Saints were being kind of petty, and like Michael Thomas was definitely being like a teenage girl whenever he responded on Twitter. So, I mean, you know, yeah, well, it doesn't spent- look good for either one. But the one thing I will say is, holy cow, Mike Camara's stock is going through the roof right now. No, I don't think anybody should draft Alvin Kamara. He's going to be a bust. Ethan, if you're listening, you should not draft Alvin Kamara. Derrick Henry's been solid. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mike Greenberg projects that Tom Brady will lose when the Bucks play the pass week four. Is yeah, that that's something that I saw. They, they were projecting uh, when the Bucks' first loss would be, and some people were saying it would be Rams week three, and then more were saying Patriots week four in New England, a game that Bill Pelichick desperately wants to win. He wants to win every game. Uh, I think he would want to win this very bad. <laughs> this would mean more to Bill Belichick than a Super Bowl. Absolutely. This would, it's a game that means way more to Belichick than it does to Brady. Like, you think Brady, Brady wants to win? Yeah, Brady's already got a Super Bowl. Belichick, this is like – this is huge for him. Yeah. Moss is coming to the Dallas September 9th. What did you say? The Jags? No, I think oh, the, the Dolphins? No, the Bucks. They're going to lose to the 
the Cowboys week one. Oh, I didn't hear what you said. But, okay. yeah, they're going to New England. I could see them losing that game easily. Primetime game. That'll be Easy. a good one to watch. Hot take. I think the Bucks could start one and three. That is a hot take. I do not That's think that'll happen. Flaming. <laughs> All right. Hot we'll take. I think the Bucks might start four now. Definitely not. I'll take that any day of the week. Okay, last nod to news, the 2021 Hall of Fame inductees, Peyton, Megatron, and Charles Woodson. It's amazing Hall. that Charles... It, it, yeah, and Troy, yeah. Oops, so forgot Paul It's crazy that Charles Woodson is, like, the, like, <laughs> least prominent out of those four players. It's insane. Like, he was that, such a beast. That's such an impressive list for Charles. I hated him when he was on the Raiders. Well, yeah. I mean, not a not a Charles Woodson fan. <laughs> I respected him when he was on the, the Packers for sure. Yeah. Quick. Okay. So, John, I think we're gonna, gonna pass on over to you. We'll we'll go through one of these and we'll take our break. All right. That sounds good. So, <clears throat> something that I wanted to talk about was uh, we, we've got three individual players that we're going to highlight, and we're gonna discuss due to recent news, either injury or um, teammate concerns that we've got. We're going to discuss where that moves their draft position because these are these are high profile players, um, mm-hmm. and we're also going to compare to some of the guys that have been going around them, or now would they go above, or would they go after, or kind of just what your what your current opinions are on them now that we have this new um, news to process. So the first on this list is Jonathan Taylor. Woo! Carson Wentz going down and Quentin Nelson going down with like the same freak foot injury is crazy. First of all, also Quentin Nelson, I forgot to mention this. He said, I'll be back in five weeks. That, that was his quote. Is, yeah. he said, a tough guy. I'll be back in five weeks. And then Carson Wentz was like, eh, it might be five to 12. So when Quentin Nelson <laughs> comes back in five, the 300 pound, like beast that he is. And then Carson Wentz, like, little frail North Dakota state boy comes back in 12. It's just going to be hilarious. Uh, anyway, Jonathan Jonathan Taylor Taylor. Right now. sorry, John, real quick. He's the n- number 13th overall player, the ninth running back being taken on ESPN. At this point, Layton, where is Jonathan Taylor moving on your overall draft board of, okay, at this position, I feel comfortable having him as my blank running back too. Where exactly in the second round would you be willing to take him? Because that can have, that can make a big difference. So I have the fourth pick. I would definitely take him with my second round pick, which would be pick 16 if my math's right. Uh, I would take him probably there. Yeah. No higher than that? No. No, not really. Okay, so if you're looking at Jonathan Taylor – or Najee Harris, who would you draft first? That's hard. Uh, I'd probably take. I'd probably take Jonathan Taylor. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know. It. Well, no. I I take Najee Harris. I change my mind. Okay. I respect that more. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> right or answer. Aaron, yes. Congratulations. You you made the correct choice. <laughs> 
is factual. There's no argument. Uh, Jonathan Taylor or Aaron Jones? Nate, what do you think about this one? I think I would take Jonathan Taylor after Najee and Aaron Jones and before Joe Mixon. That's that's where he falls for me. That's where I feel I feel most comfortable. I might take Jonathan before Aaron Jones. I would take Jonathan Taylor before Aaron Jones. See, and I feel like Aaron Jones has kind of been one of those guys that, like, subconsciously we've all been kind of down on Aaron Jones, and he just hasn't really gotten talked about much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, he's good. Like, consistency-wise, Aaron Jones is up there. And especially now that Aaron Rodgers is back, I'm slowly rising on Aaron Jones. So I, I would definitely take Najee before Jonathan Taylor. Duh. <sighs> doesn't even need to be said Aaron Jones I don't know why I just don't it's just something I know Aaron Jones is good I just don't I'm not attracted to him as a fantasy player I don't know why but no and I I, I'm in the same boat I am completely in the same boat I don't feel like Aaron Jones is a dominant running back in the NFL that's a really good I would I would agree with I would agree with that John and that creates a mental block for me whenever I go to draft Aaron Jones. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I think of him as a boom or almost bust, but he doesn't bust. It's just right. the majority of his games are in kind of the low to mid double digits. And like as a second round pick, it's kind of like eh, where it's not like bad, but when you have, when you start. When, you, when your week two is almost 46 points and then your next highest sum is 25 and then the next is 22 and then the next drops all the way down to 18, it's just uh, – I, I missed the 24 in there. I apologize. But it just consistently goes down. And for some reason, I'm, I, I don't know, I'd much rather have somebody that just consistently got like 18 to 22 points than the majority so. of the so. – but go ahead, As man. an Aaron Jones fantasy holder last year in our main league, I definitely get what both of you guys are saying. I think he is an elite talent at running back, but the way that the Packers use him, it's just – it was a lot of those games that I would watch would be holding my breath until about the third quarter when they would finally, like, feed Aaron Jones, get him some passes. Because before then, I mean, he would be – you know, eight attempts for maybe like 30 yards or something. Yeah. And it was just like, this could lose my week yeah. for me. But then it was at the end of the game, he would, he would come to life. They would get him mixed in more. They would take flipping Jamal Williams out. Which is gone, but they have AJ Dillon now. Which I'm a little bit worried that that's going to be kind of the same system that they use as a split backfield, trying to preserve Aaron Jones for the whole season instead of getting him in, in the mix too much. But <laughs> I mean, Aaron, he's, he's kind of the complete package. He's a pretty good runner outside the edges. He has the big play threat ability, and he can catch the ball pretty well, as well as a few wide receivers out there, I would say. Okay, but, so yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in. Yes, Poor Aaron Jones. He played 14 games last season. How many times do you think he scored more than 20 fantasy points? I already know the answer because I looked at it. Sorry. How many times do you think he scored less than 10 fantasy points? I bet he scored less than 10 
two times, more than 26 times. Okay. So he scored less than 10 twice. And he scored more than 20 only three times. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Only three times. Are you on PPR? Yes. What the heck was I looking at? <laughs> or you, I guess I, I'm not 100% sure that I'm on PPR, but I, I'm pretty confident. Yes. Are you on Fantasy Pros? No. Okay. <laughs> One, two. Four times. Four times? Yeah. I may have just missed one. Yeah. Anyway. but So, so he is consistency. <laughs> it, he is consistency. He's, he's not the dominant. Like, he had that one game. He had that one game in week two. Which you won. Dominated. Which you won that week. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. Um, so I think that here Joe Mixon is probably the biggest question mark, and a lot of people have him as kind of a breakout. Um, and comparing him to Jonathan Taylor, like I'm personally not that high on Joe Mixon. I see the world where it, he does break out, but I think for the season I'm probably taking Jonathan Taylor because I think he's a more talented runner. So in this order, I'm taking – Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, and then Joe Mixon. And that's just me. I'm doing the exact same thing. What's your order, Layton? I'm doing the same thing. Really? Yeah, but realistically, it's kind of hard because I know my draft position and I just look at it that way. But if I had my choice of the the four, you know, know, if I had to put them in order, I'd go Aaron Jones, Najee. That's what I figured you would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely take Najee before any of them. But uh, well, should we cut the break and then come back with a couple more polarizing players? I think we should absolutely. take a break, get hydrated, come back fresh, ready to go. Got another running back on slate. Hi. Welcome back, guys. We're kicking off the second half of this episode of the Fantasy Times podcast. We've still got Leighton and Nate. We're getting late into the night. I didn't leave uh, yet, even though I have to be at work in the morning. Still sticking around. They're troopers. Um, we're gassed up, fueled up, ready to go for the second <laughs> half of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, guys, um, we're staying up late for this, but man, we're gassed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so... Continuing on with the thought of um, players who have recently had news impact their ADP, where they're going in drafts, Saquon Barkley is the obvious um, next topic of this conversation. Oh, I don't like this. Potentially, he'll be back week one, and he'll be ready to play. Or it could be week three. Or who knows with Saquon. We've definitely seen him miss an extended amount of time before. And it's been a while since we've seen him be dominant, be the Saquon that um, the the thought of the champ that comes along with his name, the weight that his name carries. So how do you guys feel, uh, Nate? I guess I'll start with you, Nate. How do you feel about Saquon Barkley heading into the draft now that we are so unsure and we're sitting about two and a half, three weeks out from when most people are going to be drafting? What's his stock doing in your opinion? I'm a little scared about Saquon Barkley. Oh, dude, we're two weeks away from our draft. Sorry. <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm nervous about Saquon. And I'm nervous not just because, like, I don't know where he's going to, like, 
the injury concerns of after him coming back, if he's going to be ready to go or not, I, I think odds are he probably will be, and he probably will be a dominant running back as soon as he hits the field again. That's kind of my belief. But if he's out a couple weeks, I, I'm just scared from where I am in our main league of having that decision where I may have to pass on Saquon Barkley Nate, because I'll, I'm so concerned about Nate, it. I'll make it easy and, on you. I'm probably not drafting Saquon Barkley. Well, that doesn't make it easy on me at all. Breaking <laughs> me right in that position. That's what I've been fearing. I, man, I don't know. Okay, so let's, let's take this one. I'm sorry. A little bit of retrospect here. Yeah. Before this injury, Leighton, before this injury, yes, you were blank on Saquon Barkley. What do you mean before the injury or before the news? Yes. Uh, I was high on Saquon, relatively speaking. I mean, I probably had him as the fourth running back, but. So behind Kamara, I presume? Yes. Okay, so let's say that Saquon comes back week two. We'll split the difference. Okay. Where then are you drafting? We'll say we know for sure Saquon will play in week two. Where are you drafting him? Does it have much of an impact? Well, see, the, the main impact is because in a lot of the reports that have come out, it's not that he'll be like, oh, he'll be back like week, expecting week three. It's like they don't. Nobody's saying like, oh, he's going to be 100% week three, and that's why we're waiting. It's like, I understand, you know, weeks one and two, you don't want to just throw your guy out there if he's like 60%, but are they throwing him out there when he's 80%? You know? I, so so what's, the risk assen- what's the risk assessment that comes along with Saquon? Like, I, th- it, I truly think he's one of the riskiest players to take in the first round. Put a, sure. put a percentage on it. 0% being safe, 100% being Johnny Manziel. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> Tim Tebow. Uh, Tim Tebow reverting back to quarterback. 40... 45%. 45%. Yes. Which, among the first two rounds, that's higher than probably anybody else. That's higher than everybody everybody else. I'd rather have Derrick Henry ahead of Saquon Barkley, as of right now. Yeah, I think I was similar before, um, I guess, this news leak. Assuming that he was going to be ready to go week one, I had him pretty close to – yeah, he would have been four for me, right after Kamara, before Derrick Henry – now this uh, suspense building of when is he going to return and when is he going to be 100%, I think I would feel comfortable probably drafting him after Austin Eckler early second round now. Yeah, That's when I would be ready to take my swing at him. I think he definitely goes after Nick Chubb. I mean, we're going to talk about these guys in a little bit, but after Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler – and then after that, I think it starts to get a little hazy with the kind of production you might get from some of those running backs. Okay, so Nate just answered the question of between the, these three, Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Leighton, if you have the option, what order are you drafting these players in between Saquon Barkley, Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, and Nick Chubb? Man. With, with your risk assessment of, of 45% risk. There's a 45% chance that Saquon Barkley plays like Miles Sanders. 
Oh, man. <laughs> Just stinky. I would go with... Gosh, it's so hard. Um, I'd probably... I'd definitely put Tyreek and Eckler ahead of him. Probably putting Eckler ahead of Tyreek just because of positional value. And I'm basically a coin flip between him and Nick Chubb. I know Nick Chubb's a really good player, but, you know, especially if I'm at the back half of the draft, right, if I have, like, picks 9 and 10 and Saquon sitting there, I, I can't pass on him. Because at 9 and 10, you have to have – okay, you don't have to. If Most majority right. winners have an elite running back, and you're taking your swing on one there. That's fair. Nate, we're sorry. I didn't mean to – Sorry. Okay. If you were, if you were nine and 10 at nine, you've got Devonte Adams or something. Tyreek Eckler Chubb are still there at 11. Mm-hmm. You're taking Saquon. Yeah. Because if I get, I, if I, I get Devonte Adams, you know, if he, when he's on the field, he's the number one receiver. It doesn't really matter. And so if Devonte Adams is the top three receiver, as he always generally is when he plays and you, you know, you have you basically put Saquon on your IR for two weeks and then you play him the rest and he's like he's like fine, he gets about ten to twelve points, but then like week six he just takes off and is old Saquon again, you have a chance to win the league. Where yeah, that's ex- that is kind of the definition of a risky pick, though. Yes. Is like you're willing to take take that on, the potential of him missing one, two, three, maybe even four weeks or something yep. for the idea that he might explode when he comes back. I just don't know with my second overall pick, probably more than anything for my mental well-being, I don't know. <laughs> like, I would rather just have a Nick Chubb. And injuries can happen to anyone. Like, right. Nick Chubb is not a sure thing, but just uh, I wouldn't be kicking myself as much for making that safer pick. Well, the thing is – Taking a risk and hoping it pans out. It, it, it's kind of a coin flip, but because it it it'd alter my drafting strategy too, right? Because later on, then you'd probably take a couple like safer running backs or other players to fill in the bench. Because what John talked about in the previous episode is with with later round picks, what some people like to do is they just like to swing on people, and if they miss, cool, you you just drop them. And that's kind of the same way with Barkley. Like you'll probably never drop him, but you know if you swing. And if Barkley's playing, like, what's Barkley's floor? Like, I don't think Barkley's floor is... he's healthy for 17 games? No, like, let's say he plays... Let's even say he plays 13 to 14 games. Like, what's his floor on a per-game basis? You think he's falling outside the top 12? From week to week? Yeah, or, like, week Uh, four on. You think he's going to be outside, like, the top 12 running backs? I and think his no. floor would probably be like running back twenty. Really? Um, yeah. On the for, season. For that for those okay. Oh for the season. For so those for that oh, stretch. So for that stretch. I would say no, for that stretch. Clicking. Okay, it's clicking now. Sorry. Um his probably, his floor would be like an eight, I would say for that's me. exactly the number I was gonna go with. Yeah, but like well eight. what's his ceiling? One. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he could be two, I think, for me. Yeah, so 
Like on any given week, Saquon Barkley can rip off a 90-yard run. Well, he's on the short just... list of four players who could be running back one on the season. But like yes. the 80% of that likelihood of being number one goes between McCaffrey and Cook. And then yes. I'd say like 12% goes to Kamara and 8% goes to Barkley. Oh, come on. You're not going to give Derrick Henry and Zeke like a half percent? No, they have no chance. Wow. <laughs> they, there is zero chance that they finish number one overall. You want to bet on that? Yeah. <laughs> what, what odds? You have to give me odds, though. Since you I will give zero. you – let's do, a, let's do a, uh, a $5 bet, 5 to 1 odds. Okay, so if if I win, so if you give Derek me twenty five bucks. Yeah, and if and if I win, you give me five. Oh, okay, I'll do that. There you go. <laughs> we'll we'll mark it down. Okay, so anyway, so to bet, to get John. back to get back on the court here. Um, in my opinion, here I would probably, I would definitely take Tyreek Hill before Saquon. Um, but I think I'm actually going to go ahead and take the risk on Saquon and probably go I'd, – I'd take Tyreek first, but then I would take Saquon over Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb um, just because of what Leighton said, um, kind of assessing the risk, assessing the floor and the ceiling on the, se- on the rest of the season that he would be healthy and we'll say that he's 100%. So, so can I – I have one last point with this and then we can move on. I was listening to another podcast, the fantasy footballers have talked about them. And one thing really stuck out to me as I was working out, pumping the iron, and it got me fired up, is when you're going into a draft or when you're playing, I, I am very guilty of this. I, you don't play to get third. You, know? right. you, you play to win. And so, like, you just try to maximize your opportunity of having – you know, the highest end of talent. I, I think so. that's true. I also have a little rebuttal, but, like, I think to win, you also need to play to win every week as well. Exactly. And I yeah. think – I'm not sure that Saquon gives me the best chance to win every week in a 14- or 15-game fantasy season. Hey, if you make the playoffs and he's old Saquon, you're pretty happy. You are. Did not get that two years ago, though. I mean, could you imagine? If I told you three months ago you could get Barkley and Aaron Jones, you'd probably laugh at me. (laughs) It's fair. (laughs) So, okay, we can move on. Also, John, if I lose the bet, I'm basically just paying for your Paramount Plus for a month. So, That's true. We split that. Fun fact. Uh, So to to clarify, where we're taking Saquon is we all agree that it's about at the turn, right? That, that's about yes. as early on as we'd take Saquon. Okay, just wanted to clear that up. Uh, the next player on this list is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas and the Ooh. Saints are in a little uh, – we'll, we'll keep it PG here. They're in a slapping contest. And <laughs> I know uh, what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're in a slapping contest, and neither one of them is happy with each other, but neither one of them wants to stop either. So um, I believe the common belief out there, I can't think of the week. Is it week eight? Week, week yeah. six or eight that Hang on. we believe Michael Thomas that. is going to be back. And apparently Michael Thomas wouldn't talk to the Saints over the offseason. Basically, there's a lot of drama around Michael Thomas and the Saints. Shocker. 
Right. Yeah. Can't can't believe that one. But yeah, I, he I got in a fight in practice because couldn't they call him Slant Boy? I'm shocked he's a drama queen. Um, okay. It's also week seven. Their bye week is week six. So basically, okay, you're punting on the first six weeks. So with that news and taking into account that Michael Thomas was injured for a good part of the last season, where are you comfortable drafting him and? I guess also the same question that we asked for Saquon once he is healthy. What do you think his floor and his ceiling is on at, like throughout the rest of the season? Um, Nate, why don't you take this one? Ooh, okay. Uh, sorry, did you want me to go in with these players? I kind of spaced out for a second. No, you're good. So, <laughs> so where are you drafting Michael Thomas based off of the, the fact that he was injured for a good part of the last season? There's this turmoil and an injury concern with him already to start this season. And once he does come back, what's his floor and his ceiling from from that week on through the rest of the season? Okay, well, right now, I think I'm probably most comfortable drafting Michael Thomas probably about the seventh round for me is where I would feel comfortable taking a swing on him. Um, I think his do you want floor for the whole season or just for the stretch that he could he would be for the back stretch for? that he would be playing? I mean, his floor is probably a wide receiver. His floor, honestly, I, I might be a little lower on him. His floor might be like a fifteen or so. Oh, but his ceiling is you're being like a so nice. Yeah, right. so I, I just think that. Granted, there's who else are they throwing to in, in New Orleans? If Traquan Smith, Traquan Smith is jolting up fantasy boards right now, and he's never which is panned sad out to too. think about. Like I, in a dynasty league, I just had somebody who wanted a first round pick for Traquan Smith. Did you say yes? Just, it's <laughs> no. I said many other things besides the word yes, but um, I think his ceiling is probably like a wide receiver six. Oh. If Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston is throwing it to him, I don't know if he can do much better than that. He probably could on like a week-to-week basis. You can mix in a couple top three weeks, but I think floor is about 16 for that stretch. Ceiling's about six. You are extremely nice, Nate. That's super nice. Do you want me to go, John? Because I'm about to work. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I think I'll probably be in the middle between you guys. Yeah, you will definitely. If you're higher than me, I'd be dumbfounded. So his, on a per-game basis last year, he was the wide receiver 41 in games he played. Um, so I'm going to take out the first game since he got hurt in that game. So I think his floor is like the wide receiver 35. And I think his ceiling is honestly like wide receiver 8 to 10. And that's that's a slim Chance, I think. And no, that that, that was it. <laughs> so, so where, where are you drafting him, though? Like, what? Where would you take him now, if if we're considering that he's back playing week eight and he's fully healthy? Oh gosh, um, not where he's going. <laughs> Fair. Probably, probably like like round ten. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I'm so out on him. 
Okay. Um, so, uh, and it's just it's just because it's not necessarily just from a wide receiver perspective because we're he's going 58 overall, ESPN. Yeah. Like right now, and again, this is right now on August 10th. Kyler Murray's going after him. If you keep going, so is Dak, yeah. so is Lamar Jackson, which won't happen. T.J. Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Curtis Samuel. I honestly, I would probably take him before Lamar. Oh, well, I won't. But <laughs> and it's just, just because when he played last year, it was with Drew Brees, who loved to target him. He wasn't like, you know. He, he never got a rhythm established, though, last year. Yeah, like, but it's yeah. not – I compared it to when Julio, like when, you know, because he has the nagging injury issue. Because when Julio would not play for two weeks and then he'd just, like, kind of walk in – drop like 30 I think Julio also just hates practice I, I think that might be very realistic too sure. but I'm just saying there's, every time Julio had like an injury and he came back and played he always did really well and I get it they're different players but he was not good and then the team's not happy with them there's just a lot of drama let alone with the fact right you know when he did play he still got good targets but you know, it wasn't anything to write home about, and I don't really trust their quarterbacks as much as Drew Brees. So. Okay, so, yeah. Leighton, I think I know the answer that you're going to have for this, but Kareem Hunt, Mike Davis, Jamar Chase, and Michael Thomas. Rank those for me. Um, oh, actually, this is going to be a surprise. Um, Mike Davis first, Kareem Hunt, Michael Thomas, then Jamar Chase. Wow. <laughs> is that exactly wow. what you had, John? No, he probably had like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, mine's very different. Than that. Nate, what what are you rocking? I think with? mine is Mike Davis, Jamar Chase, Michael Thomas, Kareem Hunt. Wow, John is different. Okay, so um, I'm gonna give a, a quick overview on mine. Um, Michael Thomas, I I have him projected right between. Uh, 610 and 7.01 so end of the sixth round beginning of the seventh um i like taking that shot on him if you have those two picks at the turn i think that presents a lot of value especially since you have to wait so long for your next two picks i think it's a good shot to take um so that's where i would draft michael thomas right now um in my rankings that's just before lamar jackson and right after will fuller um, so, wow, I really can't believe what I just heard. Um, I would, yeah. And I'm going to argue, I'm going to explain my reasoning too. Um, I would probably go Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. Mike Davis. No, I'm going to go Kareem Hunt, Michael Thomas, Jamar Chase, Mike Davis. Okay. That's, so that's not, that's not drastically different. No, but I thought you were going to put like Jamar Chase first or something. No, you guys were much higher on Mike Davis, I assume, because it was like a no-brainer for you guys. So Kareem Hunt, in my opinion, has the quickest path to elite potential in fantasy. Uh, Obviously, (laughs) if Nick Chubb goes down, like Kareem Hunt immediately becomes a top 10 value at running back, Um, maybe even higher than that, because obviously as Chiefs fans, we've seen what – kind of potential and ability Kareem Hunt has firsthand. Past that, Michael Thomas, it's kind of the same argument. It's like for my floor for Michael Thomas, once once he's healthy, I'd say it's like wide receiver 25. 
And my ceiling, I would say it's like wide receiver three. Okay. That is with that's with the idea of like Jameis is absolutely like chucking the ball downfield and he resumes form of like his highest performance ever. And I still don't think that he can surpass Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams from whenever he becomes healthy on to the rest of the season. So I would say wide receiver three for that reason. Um, and then 25 is he's, he's struggling. He's probably not catching more than five passes a game and it's, it's not a great look and he probably gets traded after the season's end. So I like him right there at the turn, the end of the sixth, uh, beginning of the seventh. Nate was a little bit higher, I believe. Not much. I think sixth round is what you said. I, I think I said seven. Did you say seven? Okay, so I, yeah. yeah, we're, we're but, right there. But my my floor was a lot higher than you guys's. Yeah. Did you say fifteen for the floor? Yeah, fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So for the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, that one we're definitely a little bit spread out on. Um, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Anything Hi. you guys want to add? Um, you want me to explain my reasoning really quick, and then we'll move on? Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. Um, so basically, the reason I took Mike Davis first is he's a starting running back, at least at the start of the season. Then I put Kareem Hunt next just because, like you said, still gets work. And, like, he's still, like, a startable player with Nick Chubb, but not, you know, not high-end player. And then I put Michael Thomas ahead of Jamar Chase because – I don't like drafting rookie wide receivers. They hardly ever pan out, unless you're Justin Jefferson. Right, and I th- I just think that the Jamar Chase comp to me is kind of like Clyde with uh, Mahomes. Like Mahomes definitely handpicked Clyde, um, and I I believe that Joe Burrow was kind of the same with Jamar Chase that he just absolutely wanted him out of everybody who was available, and it was kind of a questionable pick because the offensive line definitely needed to be addressed so I think it's just it, it's a testimony to commitment to the passing game for Cincinnati but uh, there's definitely a lot of mouths to feed in that offense as well for him being a rookie wide receiver on top of all of that yeah so. I mean it's not like if he would have gone to like the Eagles like Devontae Smith did like I think Devontae Smith has a much higher ceiling than Marquez this year yeah I don't like Devontae Smith as a player <laughs> yeah definitely well that is all we have for this episode. I personally have enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think that, you know, situations like this are what can create tremendous value in, in your lineup and sometimes waiting on the, on the injuries to work themselves out or for guys to come back and be completely healthy again. That's where you have the opportunity to win your league with big moves like this. So definitely important for you to determine where you're, where you're, ready and willing to draft these guys because it can make a huge difference. Yeah, they're definitely polarizing. I'm just glad we finally disagreed on some players. It seems like every time we do a mock draft and send it to each other, it's like, oh, cool, your <laughs> reserve bench looks the exact same as mine. This yeah. is going to be fun. Yeah, that Michael Thomas take definitely was the biggest difference. Or, I guess no, John, all... he, John, he's all yours. I mean, hey, I'm not saying that I'm taking him, <laughs> but like it's it's intriguing for sure for sure like i want him on my roster i i would love to draft his faster but just, 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 just too high. yeah i get it 
All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Make sure and send us your questions. Send us your draft day questions. It is right around the corner. At fantasy underscore chumps. At fantasy underscore chumps. You can catch us on Instagram. Um, We really appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch up with you next week. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, guys.